Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to take a deep dive into Andor episode 11 titled Daughter of Ferrix. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Finally, please be sure to check out our T Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it's time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. Okay, everyone, welcome back to another action-packed episode of Force Ghost Conversations. I am so thrilled to dive into Andor episode 11 with all of you. Uh, But before we get into all that, of course, we have some news to run down in our appropriately and affectionately dubbed segment known as Cloud City Gossip. So first, Empire Magazine showcased our first public pictures of the brand new Indiana Jones film. Now, more details will surface when the article hits newsstands next week, but you can easily search for the covers featuring Harrison Ford back in the title role. I mean, if you just search for Force Ghost Conversations on our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages, you will find these pictures. The story also shared tidbits of what the film will entail, including a hint at 1960s New York City being a primary setting. Now, we will cover this story further as more details surface, and we look forward to seeing the film in June of 2023 when it finally comes out. Next, happy Life Day, everybody. Did you celebrate this week? November 17th celebrates what is essentially the in-universe version of the holiday season in Star Wars. However, it also celebrates the release date of the maligned Star Wars holiday special. Disney joined in on the fun by releasing some Life Day branded merchandise on both Shop Disney and inside the Disney parks. Be sure to check out those areas if you are interested in picking up some of these items. Additionally, The 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi is just around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. To celebrate, Marvel is releasing a series of one-shot comics, starting with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Jabba's Palace number 1, which is coming out next year. A look at the cover art for this issue can be found on StarWars.com, and it looks pretty cool if you ask me. Next Wednesday, a new Star Wars comic series also hits shelves. Written by Kevin Scott and illustrated by Nico Leon, Star Wars Yoda number one will start a new solo adventure featuring one of our favorite Jedi. The story will cover Yoda reflecting on previous adventures from the past during his exile on Dagobah. Make sure you head out to your local comic store to pick up a copy. Furthermore, 
The Mandalorian and Grogu have officially made their first appearance at Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. If you're in the area, make sure you go see our favorite bounty hunter and little guy as they traverse their way through Batuu. Finally, in terms of the news portion of this segment, next Wednesday is the season one finale of Andor. If you haven't subscribed to Disney+, Plus, what are you doing? Re-up or... Continue to stay subscribed because you don't want to miss out on that fun action. Of course, we'll cover all of the details here on Force Ghost Conversations afterwards. And then the following week, there is the season premiere of Willow, which evidently is two episodes I heard from Ron Howard today on Twitter. That's incredible. Two episodes of Willow coming your way November 30th. If you haven't watched the movie yet, now is your time to catch up and go make sure you check out our previous episode of Forest Ghost Conversations, which is a deep dive into the classic 1988 film, which started all of this. You don't want to miss out on all that. You don't want to miss out on Andor. And if you haven't, be sure to check out our previous Forest Ghost Conversations episodes, breaking down the entire season up to this point. And finally, ter- finally again, I know I've said finally before, but November 21st celebrates one year of Forest Ghost Conversations. Yes, we released our first episode, our first steps, all the way back on November 21st, 2021. And boy, has it been an incredible journey sharing Star Wars news, sharing the TV series and movies and fun, games, con, all of it with, with each and every one of you throughout the course of this last year. I am so thankful for all the friends and followers that we've created along the way. And we continue to keep growing the campfire around Force Ghost Conversations as we continue into year two and beyond. Again, I'm so thankful for all the support that you've given us, sharing about our podcast with your friends, buying merchandise, waving the flag that is Force Ghost Conversations and the cozy positivity that we, that we indulge here as a podcast. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to Forest Ghost Conversations, and I'm so thrilled to continue providing this wonderful atmosphere for Star Wars conversation, discussion, as we move on into the coming weeks and months. There's certainly so much around the corner to be excited and thankful for in this time of Thanksgiving, too. Willow is here, Andor is closing up, Indiana Jones is around the corner, so is The Mandalorian and Ahsoka, Bad Batch Season 2 will be here before we know it. Who knows what else is down the pipeline that we're not even expecting. Get ready for it all, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a fantastic time for all of this. And you have a seat here at the Forest Coast Conversations Campfire. So thank you again for being a part of the ride. And on the other side of this break, we'll be back with our discussion about Andor Episode 11. Stay tuned, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our episode 11 breakdown of Andor. Now, I'm going to be fully in the mind of disclosure here for all of you, where (laughs) because of the circumstances of when this episode came out and when I have to record because I'm heading home for the Thanksgiving holiday and because of the obligations that I will need to be uh, taken care of while I'm at home, I have been unable to do my usual note taking for this episode. So I I still have watched the episode twice. 
I've watched it with subtitles, but I wasn't able to pause and take the initial time that I usually do, where I basically write out my full script before coming into an episode with you all. So my apologies initially for that. However, I think this will be a fun little experiment to see kind of how I go off the cuff with just some basic run-of-the-mill remarks that I have written down, some initial thoughts that I had coming out of both viewings. And this is going to be a bit more of an open, candid thought session as opposed to what I usually do. So maybe you'll enjoy how different this episode will be compared to some of our others. Maybe it won't be different at all. I like to think that I still try to keep some semblance of what I do with my script when I, when I, you know, I want to keep it similar to a conversation style where I'm not necessarily just reading off, off notes, but you know, this will be slightly different in terms of that. You'll probably get more of me saying, um, and ands and you knows and all that stuff. So that's probably where we're heading a bit more here, but this episode is is really spectacular, and for a penultimate episode, meaning the last episode of the season, or the this episode before the last episode of the season, it really sets up, and it does what it needs to do, which is set up that finale. We have the ground set for what could be one of the most spectacular things in Star Wars over the past year. And with that, folks, before we get into that, you know, the discussion of it all, the spoilers of it all. This is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Andor episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix, what are you doing? Pause this episode now. Go pull up your Disney Plus, watch the episode, and then come right back to this moment in time. You have been forewarned. The spoilers are now all on the table. So this is Andor episode 11, ladies and gentlemen, Daughter of Ferrix. What does that mean? Well, Marva is a daughter of Ferrix. I believe she was part of a group too called the Daughters of Ferrix. She is a member of this community. This is her home. This is where she, in the previous episodes, decided to lay claim to, this is where I want to be. I'm not going anywhere with you, Cassie, and I'm staying here. I'm fighting here. I'm fighting for my home, for what I believe in, for what is right. This is where Clem, her husband, died, Cassian's adoptive father. This is where her memories are. This is where the friendships that she's cultivated are. That's where she stands. And unfortunately, the big episode begins with her passing. Marva has passed, ladies and gentlemen. Now, of course, I've seen rumors circulate that this is a ploy that she hasn't actually passed. So maybe that will come to pass. But, you know, I have to take exactly what's on the table right now. That, that I be- I, I'm in the camp to believe that she has passed on. She obviously wasn't doing well the last couple of episodes. They made clear note of it that, you know, her health was declining. She was choosing not to eat so much. She wasn't taking her medicine or what have you. It's getting colder in Ferrix and she wasn't turning on the heat. You know, the signs were were on the wall. And even after that little gasp of energy that she got after Aldani, that wasn't enough to keep her around for too, too much longer, evidently. So this episode is clearly about the ramifications about Marva's passing. Before we get into more of the nitty gritty of the episode beyond the title, I just wanted to note that the episode is directed by Benjamin Karen, who also directed episode seven, the announcement. And it was written by showrunner Tony Gilroy. So we have definitely a, a fantastic crew at the helm for this episode who are 
well versed in in what Andor is and 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 the tone of the series overall. But really, the the standout of this episode, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm just gonna cut right to it. Is B two emo B two emo. Brasso is just a, a wonderful companion here in this moment because B two is really like the leftover dog, if you will, right? Uh, if you think about an older person, whether it be male or female, whatever sex or gender you identify with, then when that person passes, who takes care of 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 that of that you know that dog or that that pet, right? You know, I don't want to degrade B two EMO to to being like a pet, but like that's kind of what it, I the way that I take this as. It's just tragic. I mean, the episode starts with that really wonderful inner juxtaposition of looking inside his lens, plus also the, the, the differences like this glass of, of what is it, tea or juice or something on top of his head that they're using him as a a, a coaster almost, like a, like a table that they're putting something on him. And, you know, he has those shakes, those rumbles that he does where... He he almost shakes the the glass off him. God, thankfully Brasso's around there to make sure that it doesn't drop. But he, you know, it almost makes it look like B two EMO is crying. He's a little confused here in this moment too. He's like, "Where where's Marva? Is she coming back? I gotta wait for her." And the, you know, Brasso's like, she, as best he can, and you know, she's she's gone away. She's never coming back. Yada yada yada. He's it's interesting how he's almost talking like to a child here as like if a, if a person were to die and you don't really feel like you're the one responsible enough to share the complexity of what of the finality of death. Right. That's, that's something that's, that's it's really taxing on, on him. And of course, B2 EMO is like, no, stay. I thought I could go with you. He doesn't want to be alone. The guy doesn't want to be alone. Can you blame him? It's amazing how, in Star Wars, you know, when we first begin with A New Hope, the adventures that we go on with these droids, are, they're not just necessarily lifeless things. We, we Not only do they have personification imposed on them by the humans that code them, or the creatures that code them, right? They create these personalities of their own. And that makes you question, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be human? They're having these thoughts in their own. They have their own personalities. And B2EMO is no exception to this. And this, frankly, I, I got emotional at the beginning of this scene. I've been in these situations like he has been. I think we can also relate to that, even on a granular level. B2EMO, or B2EMO, I, I really don't know the exact way to phrase it right now. But he's he just needs a hug. This poor guy needs someone to take care of him. Or I assume I assume the droid is a, is a is a guy or would identify as a as a dude. Who would have thought that at the beginning of this series? That as an audience we'd fall in love so much with this character and relate to a droid so much. The humanity of this character is is, is palpable. Almost like more so than some of the other characters in this series, right? It's hard to relate to someone like Dedra Miro. <laughs> These cold Imperial officers that are, are out for one thing and alone, their own ambitions. 
it's hard to do that versus someone that is a part of the uh, wants to just see their family members again and their friends. But thankfully, Brasso is there to help as much as he can. He stays with them night. You know, he's, he's doing what he can. But the main thing that we learn from this is, in addition to the fallout of, of Marva's passing, is that there is a unique ritual on Ferrix that is done, especially for prominent figures, right? She's getting this, or they're requesting for a funeral outside in basically the town square where Rick's Road, I believe, where, where Clem was hung earlier in their in their time a couple of years prior. But the neat thing about that is when someone passes, their ashes are put into brick and mortar, which is then put into the foundation of a building or a wall or something like that. You become a part of the community. I just love that. That's a really, really cool ritual, ladies and gentlemen. I, I think that's really, really unique. That not only are you cementing yourself as a part of a community, but what does a wall do? It provides safety. It provides foundation. You're, you're choosing to stay in this community to be a functional part of the community after that, after your passing even. And you're surrounding others with warmth, with love, with coziness. That's really beautiful, especially for all those that passed on, right? You just look at all the bricks and all the walls and all that stuff around Ferrix now. And that just goes to show that that's each one, or if you think about it, each one is potentially a person that is providing this big hug around people. They're building something up from the ground up and they're providing this foundation for which others can thrive, for which the future generations can grow, can learn, can choose to be better. That is almost what the sentiment of the rebellion is. They're fighting for tomorrow especially as Luthan so eloquently described in the previous episode. That is something that is, that's going to stick with me from this series for a while. That just that whole ritual and the mythology of, of it uh, in general. I think that's really neat. And, you know, I'm not going to say suggest that we do that in our current world. You know, each, each individual person and culture has their own way of mourning and, and moving on and, and, and those types of rituals. So it's up to each person at this point to decide what they do. But I think that's a really neat, neat concept that maybe could be utilized for something in the real world. So, like I mentioned, they probably weren't going to get the approval for this ceremony in the main town square because it would knock block off a few roads and stuff like that with the increased imperial presence that they thought that was probably going to happen and something that i thought was interesting is that the isb is actually going to allow them to do that they're baiting this moment here they think that they'll use this as an instance to get cassian to come out and that really sets the stage for the finale episode which we'll get into later but that's really just my main takeaway here is it's is the warmth and and friendliness and care of B2EMO. That's that's something that I really want to start off with this with this discussion is is about that. Now of course Bix looks rough at the beginning of the episode as well. We saw her in the previous episode being tortured with that sound device from the doctor. She doesn't want to go through that again. But <laughs> it's hard to I I mean it's an understandably tough position. I saw a picture on the internet of like kind of a before and after of her. And I will say just kudos to the makeup team for making her 
look like she's in such a precarious state. And they ask her about Anto Krieger, if that is the guy that um, is is the person that they're dubbing as as Axis. That is the person that she introduced Cassian to. Now, they don't show exactly what she says in response to that. But honestly, if it's anything other than yes, I imagine they're probably going to throw her into back into the thing again. So it's really a precarious position for her. I really can't see if her saying no, because they don't have any other leads at this point. They want it to be Krieger because they know they have a trap for him in place. <laughs> so they think if they get Krieger, then it's over. It's hard to say. We'll have to see how it plays out in the next episode, of course. So that's just something to note. Something else that is really impressive about this episode is the notion of of a family again, right? So we're talking about the Mon Mothma sequence in this portion here. Of course, she's... She's still grasping with this harsh choice decision that she's going to have to make, right? Does she indulge in the proposal set by Davo about introducing his daughter or his son to her daughter, Leda? And in this time, we see that Leda is adopting the chance or willingly participating in the chance from Chandrillan tradition along with other uh, similar age females on Coruscant who also are probably a Chandrillan too. Of course, with that tradition comes the belief of the arranged marriage, right? Around 14, 15, which I assume Leda is at this point, is, is something that's got to be on her radar. And Mothma clearly is a person who did not appreciate her arranged marriage, is not someone who's looking forward to potentially having that for her own daughter. But if that's the case and she meets this dude, whatever Davo's son is named, then that's a potential for her and she seems like she may be into it. I'm not sure. It Being a part of the old traditions and the old ways, if that's a part of it, then that's something that she may like. I don't know. However, I think Leda is just another teenager right now. Everything about her performance and what she's showing on screen does not detract from that whatsoever to me, especially if you've been around a, a 14, 15-year-old lately. They will do literally just about anything to counteract what their parents are dishing to them right if, if your parent believes in x you believe in y it's just kind of the nature of it all you're kind of doing anything you can to differ yourself from your parents to get under their skin it's just a weird time and it's something that transcends time and space if you ask me so like i mentioned in, in a previous podcast about all this mon mothma is gonna have to make a choice soon here is it is there a family that's more important or is it the what she the work she's doing for the rebellion and this is the hard choice that she's gonna have to make that it may be a choiceless choice if you ask me but i think in the next episode he's gonna have to do something about that one way or another cassian himself is still on narkina 5 he of course along with melshi from the previous episode escaped from the prison and is now on some type of mainland trying to escape the empire. And they see a, basically a, a, a puddle jumper ship down there in a, gal, in a in a valley with only guarded by two creatures. I believe they're probably Narkinians, if I'm assuming right. They speak Narkinian. So they're either creatures of a, of a alien species that I'm not aware of right now, or they're probably just Narkinians, natives to Narkinia 5. And they get captured. They think they're with the empire and all that stuff. And 
you know, I'm not really too sure that the twist around there, that's something about the episode that, you know, didn't really stand out to me as to why they let them go from the trap that they have set. Maybe on a subsequent watch or listening to other podcasts, I'll be able to discern more why they're let go. Uh, the, the 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 language and speak between the two characters is good banter. Of course, it's kind of witty, but I just you know I didn't really see from point A to point B how they get let go because there it's, there's a lot of confusion overall in the scene. So that you know a little bit of a little bit of gripe there, a little grumpy, a little grumpy about that, but nothing enough to to overall detract from my viewing of this episode, which is is really spectacular. I will say though that the overall creature design that they did for these creatures is the first time I can recall ever seeing the species in Star Wars. So it looks really great. The guy has like, like uh, almost like a machete for, for a hand. That's pretty neat. The one thing that I, I thought was really neat about their design overall is that it reminded me of some like Tolkien-esque characters for sure. And just their dictation of speech. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of something I would see from maybe like the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings. Or maybe even from just reading the books, too. Like, that was definitely dictation of text that I've done in my head from reading various scenes of of that saga itself. So, cool cool addition into Star Wars, for sure. And I look forward to rewatching the scene to kind of pin, pinpoint the exact details a bit more further. Maybe if, if this... See, this might be the exact example of, like, when I don't pause it and rewind and, and, and absolutely write down every bit of dialogue that I possibly can... That is probably some of the, the, the things that I wasn't able to, to accomplish along the way here. But with that, they're, they are able to escape. They get basically sent back to uh, Cassian's suggestion to the island planet that he was at before, where he got sentenced to the six-year six uh, term on Narkina 5. So, you know, that, that really nice beachside resort that he was at. Cassian sneaks into his old room and steals his materials that he had hidden above the shower there. That fortunately is still intact, so he and Melshi are able to go off on their own different directions and spread the word about what happened on Narkina 5 and how if you're uh, getting abused by the Empire that there is literally no no way out. They're tight. They're tightening their grip. You're just going to become a part of the system until you die and work for them forever. And, you know, it's a metaphorical thing for what everyone else is going under, too. Like, it's just only a matter of time before this really seeps into every other aspect of control for what they're doing. And with each additional person that they get to, that's another chance for the rebellion to grow, to become a big bona fide unit across the board. That's really something special. And I think that it's going to be play into exactly the hands of what? Melshi and Cassian are going to do post this uh, this season overall. And of course, Cassian calls home. He wants to let his friend know that Marva, or via his friend, that he's okay, to tell Marva that he's okay, he's doing well, he misses her, he worries about her, he's going to see her soon. Of course, the friend, I forget his name off the top of my head, uh, he was the one, I believe, that was tortured before Bix. And he basically tells Cassian that Marva's passed. Diego Luna's performance in that whole sequence there, looking off into the distant sun, the clouds of it all, that's a really, really great performance there. Because that was really the person who took him under his wing, right? We saw that in the first three episodes when he was on his uh, original planet, right? Uh, 
that's amazing how this person who literally saved him took raised him as her as her own son is now gone he wasn't expecting that i don't think he was he should have with all the signs that were on the wall but you know sometimes we cloud our 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 eyes to what we actually see in front of us because we don't want to see we don't want to think about that we don't want to lose our loved ones we don't want to have that weighing over our head and now he has to face the cruel reality and cassian himself has a choice here too does he go home does he go back for the funeral is he a part of all that process and he has to him you know he has to think that he's expecting something he knew the imperial presence there was was growing he saw that for himself before he left and you can only imagine after his experience on Arcana 5 that they're only going to continue to tighten their grip around places. Cinta is there. The Imperial presence is growing. It looks like Deidre Mero is probably going to go back now that she basically signed off on the on the order for them to do the public funeral or ritual ceremony, if you will. It looked like Cyril Karn is probably going to venture his way out there, too, to make amends for what happened in the first three episodes, that, that amazing first episode arc. So the real question is, does Cassian go back? My guess is he probably does. Otherwise, you know, it would be pretty boring <laughs> to, ha- to not have uh, your main character too much in the final episode of the season. So that'd be my guess is that he's he's probably there. The really, you know, that that really sets the stage for the finale is that funeral. And what is going to be the fallout ramifications of all that? Because there's probably going to be a major battle sequence and all that stuff. I lastly wanted to touch upon the interaction between Saul Guerrera and Luthen here. Saul is, is bombastic about participating with Anto Krieger on this in this attack that he's supposed to be doing that we know is going to fail because the ISB already know about it's coming. But Saul in the previous episode when he was offered the chance to help out here and create this more unified rebellion cell, he said no. And now after these events have taken place, he said yes. So then Luthen has to play his hand here and tell him exactly what happened. And the, and the the really brilliance of having Forrest Whitaker back as Saul Guerrero is you see these connective bits between it all. This is a moment in time where the character of Saul Guerrero has to realize that there are harsh choices to be made for the cause. And the value of a, of a life, right? This is, there is expendability when it comes to fighting a war. And evidently Krieger and his 30 men, soldiers, let's just call them soldiers, are the worth less than one ISB agent turncoat, right? Lonnie. That's powerful. And he's realizing that. He's like, if I were going instead, perhaps that would be me. I have to imagine that this creates some of the divisiveness that later we see in the events of Star Wars Rebels and Rogue One, where <laughs> he's almost his, he's, he's a lone gun cannon here. 
he's off on his own thing. He's worried about he's not a part of the Rebel Alliance whatsoever. He's just kind of fighting the same fight, but using different means to do so. Or he's not tied down to the same rules and regulations that the Rebel Alliance govern themselves under. I have to think that this split takes place or at least starts right here. Saul Guerrero wants to see that freedom reign day later on. I have a strong belief he wants to see that fight come to a conclusion. Now, we know eventually what does happen to him. But from his initial work on Onderon to his work afterwards, fighting with the Wookiees on Kashyyyk, Geonosis and Rebels to Jeddah, this man... He definitely wanted to see that sunset rise uh, or once this is all done, at least in, in my opinion. So the fact that this all comes to a head here is 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 really powerful and potent, to me at least. So he says it right there. He says, let's just call it what it is. It's a, it's a war. And that's a, it's a really powerful moment in this episode for me. What did you think of Andor episode 11? Are you as, as, as hyped for the finale as I am? I hope you certainly are, because I think this is coming to a massive head in the end here. But I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Check, reach out to us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. We're available on all of those, and we'd love to continue the conversation with you all. If you feel so inclined to share Forest Coast conversations with a friend, we have lofty goals for our next year of development as a podcast. And it and it all helps, you know, when when you all help to share the show too. So um, you know, we're all a part of the, the Force Ghost Conversations family together, in my opinion. And I look forward to keeping uh keep expanding and growing the the number of seats that we have around the campfire. Because it helps us to do a lot more cool things when we have the the backing in order to do so. So I have ideas to keep growing the podcast and doing cool things, and let's do it together. Also, if you feel so inclined, it's the holiday season now. If you know someone that loves Force Ghost Conversations or if you love it yourself, there's consistently sales on our Tee Public store. So if you want some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise or a T-shirt, a pillow, we have both our Star Wars logo and our Willow-inspired logo on that platform so you can get all the merchandise that you want and that continues to help spread the word through both supporting the show directly and by you know wearing it out and about maybe it sparks up a conversation with somebody what is that oh, let me see. It's, it's a cozy star wars podcast that takes deep dives into all things galaxy far far away that's what we do here each and every week on force ghost conversations so with that everybody we'll actually be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode looking forward to Willow again. I hope you enjoyed our classic 1988 film discussion of the original Willow movie last Wednesday. We're going to do another look at the main character of Willow Upgood himself next Wednesday. And then following that on Sunday, there will be the breakdown of the season one finale of Andor and or episode 12. So a lot of Forest Ghost conversations coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited to get to all of that with everybody. So with that, I hope you have a great week. We'll be back on Wednesday with some more discussion about Willow. And until then, may the Forest be with you. Mm -hmm.